Do you know what the next three words in the book of Genesis are? I want to invite you right now to go ahead and open up your Bible. If you don't have it already there to Genesis chapter 12 or open the Bible app on your smartphone to Genesis chapter 12 because the verses that Francois just read are followed by three words that change absolutely everything. They shatter and change the course of human history. These next three words. You need to know these three words. Choir, you've got Bibles. Y'all open them up too. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, the first three words. God has just told Abram, get thee out of thy land and into a new place. The next three words are, so Abram went. God said to Abram, go to the place that I will show you. And Abram went. He packed his house. He packed his family. He packed his herds. He packed his help. He brought his brother along lot with him, but Abram went. He heard God's call, and he responded. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, in our own lives, may we hear your call. Your call to step out of the walls of of comfort and safety and into the unknown into a future that you will show us a place that you will show us help us to hear and to respond with faith in the same way that Abram did this we pray in the name of Christ Amen As you know, we're in week two of our series, Game Changers, where again, we're looking at faith through the lens of football and the book of Genesis. And I'm just wondering, um, if you've ever noticed this moment in a football game, it's this moment in between plays. You know, a play is whenever quarterback gets the ball and something happens on offense. And then there's this moment after the guy's been tackled, this moment where everybody's sort of standing around. Do Do you know what's happening then? When everybody's standing around and they all get together and sort of put their heads together, That's called a huddle, right? You've seen this happen before in a football game where everybody sort of puts their heads together, um, whether it's offense or defense, everybody puts their heads together and they get on the same page. The quarterback brings the call in from the sideline and he gives the next assignment to the team. Now you might not know this, but the huddle has evolved over time. The huddle has developed over time. Um, In fact, prior to 1890, football teams didn't even huddle. Do you know what they did? They just walked away from the other team and started talking about the next play. And it was just sort of everybody stand around and we're going to talk about what the next play is going to be. It didn't matter if it was offense or defense, they just walk over there and we'll talk about the play. Well, that was fine and good until about uh, 1892 to 1894. There's some discrepancy in the story about how the huddle came to be. Everything changed between 92 and 94 when a quarterback named Paul D. Hubbard of Gallaudet University, which happened to be a school for the deaf, realized that the opposing team could read his signals when they were standing, when he and his team were standing back over here. That in fact, instead of focusing on what the defense's next play would be, they would be steady looking at his hands. So what Gallaudet did, uh, excuse me, what Hubbard did, was he took his players and he gathered them in really close and had them stand in a circle where he could give his signals without anyone on the sidelines or on the opposing team 
seeing. Then in 1918, Oregon Agricultural College started to do the very same thing. They would gather 10 yards behind the ball, standing in a circle, and would whisper to one another what the next play would be. You know what the whole point of a huddle is? The whole point of a huddle in a football game is to communicate the next play call, to get your assignment for the next play. The text that you heard read this morning by Francois is the call of Abram. It's the moment in Abram's life when God draws near to him and gives him an assignment and sends him out. It's a moment when God reveals to Abram in just a few words, just a few short words, how God is going to begin restoring and redeeming humanity through a relationship with him. And God begins that process, that process that we are living into by calling Abram, promising that he would become a great nation, that he would be blessed, and that all nations of the world would be blessed through him and through his descendants. So Abram went. Do you know what happens when he gets there, though? You know what happens when Abram lands in this place that God will show him this, this promised land, as it will be called one day? Well, the first thing that happened is that, well, Abram's brother-in-law, Lot, takes over the rich bottom land, the good grazing land. Lot takes all of the good land and leaves Abram on the side of a mountain in the scrub land. And that's not too good. That's not maybe the promised land that you might have been thinking of, the scrub bushes and the deserts. The second thing that happened was that this prospective father of a great nation found out that his wife couldn't bear children so much for being the father of a great nation the third thing was that when as a special present on his hundredth birthday God arranged for his wife Sarah to have a son it wasn't long before Abram was ordered then called Abraham was ordered to go up the mountain and sacrifice his son a moment which God himself intervenes in I don't know about you, but if I were Abraham, I'd be worried about hearing from God. I would be worried about the call. I'd be worried that I wasn't just hearing another voice in my head. I would wonder if God's call was even true in the first place, or if I had in fact just heard another voice in my head. And Abram, Abram who would become Abraham, he never does that. It's incredible, in spite of everything, in spite of run-ins with Pharaoh, in spite of the stops and starts and what seems to be a promise that may or may not come true, Abram, who becomes Abraham, never doubted. He never stopped having faith that God was going to keep his promise about making him the father of a great nation. Night after night, that was the dream that he rode off to sleep on that God's word would come true in his life. Abram had faith. He believed in what he could not see. He trusted God, even though he didn't know what the next step would be. He didn't know what the future would hold. He heard the call on his life. He knew his assignment. And he trusted that God would come through. He heard the call on his life. He knew his assignment. 
And he trusted with his whole being that God would come through him because of his obedience, because Abraham went. We become heirs of the promise of God. You see, it all starts here. I mean, it started in Genesis, but the story of God's promise, the story of God's redemption begins with God's relationship with Abraham, this moment when Abram was called. So what can we learn from these verses in Genesis? I think the first thing that we can learn is that God calls ordinary people, ordinary, average, everyday people to be a part of God's work in the world. I'll take that a step farther and say that God calls everyone. You've got uh, a bulletin there in front of you. Write this down in the margin of your bulletin or write it in the corner of your Bible. It's okay to write in your Bible this morning. Write this down. God calls everyone, every single one of us in this room, every single person on the face of this earth is being called by God for some purpose. You ever stop to wonder why God would choose Abram? Why choose Abram, God? Out of all the people you could have chosen, surely you would have chosen somebody other than Abram. What was it about him? Well, Abram, he didn't come from a devout family that was faithful to God. In fact, his parents, from what we can discern from Scripture, were probably pagans, idol worshipers. They worshipped not Yahweh, but some other God. Abram was just an ordinary person living an average, ordinary life. Abram wasn't really special. He wasn't really different. What made him noteworthy, what makes him noteworthy in life was the action of God in his life. What made Abram different was that God called him and Abram responded. God called And Abram responded, and that has made all of the difference. God calls everyone, ordinary people like you and like me, calls us forth for a purpose, for an assignment that we individually and collectively carry out. You know, the quarterback, when he stands in that huddle with all of his players around him, you know, he doesn't say a whole lot, right? There's not paragraphs of words and words and words flowing out of his mouth. He says a few short things. In fact, when he's standing in that huddle, it might sound like this, red, right, 324, Omaha. Some of you are like, what in the world? I didn't understand that either until I looked on Wikipedia and started learning what, (laughs) how play calls work. That quarterback in just a few words can give assignments to the entire football team. In fact, in that short sentence, Red Right 324 Omaha, on set, tells everyone on the team what they need to know about the next play. Red Right is the formation. Omaha is the formation adjustment. 324 refers to receiving routes that his receivers are going to run. And on set is the snap count. Everyone in the huddle hears the call and everyone has an assignment. In the same way, I believe that every one of us in this room is called and every single one of us has an assignment 
that God is specifically calling us to. Every single one of us is made for a purpose, is made for some reason, to carry out some task, to make some mark on human history, or maybe just in our corner of Statesboro, or wherever it is that you're from, or wherever it is that you're heading to. I believe that all of us are not only called, but we're also called for a purpose. And that purpose, at the very least, is to be an agent of God's plan and purpose in the world. But it could be any number of other things as well. For some people, being called means that they go into the ministry and they get ordained. I'm not saying that that's your future, but it might be. It might be. When you hear and respond to God's call, for for some of you, fashion is the big deal. And you want to be all about fashion and jeans and clothes or whatever else. And you can use that God-given gift, that God-given passion, that God-given desire for clothing to honor God and glorify him and make a mark on human history because instead of just hoarding up money from whatever it is you've designed, you've shared the wealth that others might receive water in Africa by drilling wells. Or you've shared some of the profits with a battered women's shelter so that people don't have to suffer and live in broken relationships. If medicine is your thing, maybe you don't just open up an office uh, for profit. Maybe you open up an office on the weekends that lets the poor and marginalized, people who don't have insurance or don't have funding, come in and receive the medical attention that they need. God's call is unique to your life. Maybe you end up going to Haiti and working on a medical mission trip and seeing hundreds and hundreds of people over a weekend in a nation that's full of brokenness and poverty. Your call is unique to you, but you are called, and you are called for a purpose. Last week, we talked about creation. If you were here, we talked about Genesis chapter 1. And if you know that story from Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth out of what? We say out of nothing, but the scripture actually says that God creates everything out of chaos. He brings order to the chaos and the darkness and the void. God creates everything on purpose. God calls forth order from chaos, brings humanity into the world, and even though we sin, God keeps working to bring us back into relationship with him, to restore us in the image in which we were created. If you look back at the story, you see that you and I, that humanity as a whole was created purposely. That God creates nothing recklessly, but intentionally. God created you, and he called you for a purpose that he's intentionally designed for you. It might be teaching or working for justice and equality. It might be doing overseas mission but it just might be doing mission work in your own house or on your own block. You are called. We are a called people. And we are called for a purpose. And I can promise you this, that that call and that purpose is always accompanied by a promise. Your call is accompanied by a purpose. And... A promise. In fact, it's the same promise that God gives to Abraham. 
more than the promise of land, which would have been just hugely important in the ancient world, more than the promise of becoming a, a great nation, which is you know a mark of esteem in the ancient world, more than a great name, which was a huge, huge deal in the ancient world, God promises Abram that he'll be with him as he goes, that he'll show him the land to which he's being called. It sort of reminds me of Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Do you remember those words? Those words come from Jesus, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and remember I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you is the promise we have in Christ. It's the promise Abraham has with God. Land and wealth might compel him to go, might compel you to go to a place that you've never been before, but it's the promise of God that, the, that God will be with us as we go that helps Abram. And helps us press on when life throws us challenges. When the world calls to question. Calls us to question our plan and God's purpose in our life. It's the promise of God that helps us carry on. Abram's faith is rooted in this certainty, this absolute certainty. That God will be with him as he goes in our faith is rooted in that very same promise that God is always with us, giving us strength, giving us direction, giving us clarity, and reminding us of our call and our purpose in this world. Our work then, our part in all of this, is to do just what Abram did, to hear and to respond individually, to hear and to respond as a church so that the whole world might know the glory of God because God is leading us somewhere. And my guess is that it's outside of these doors to a place that he'll show you and he'll show me and he'll show us the promise is the same. He'll be with us, not only when we get there, but as we go. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for calling us for giving us purpose and for promising us that you'd be with us as we take this journey called faith. Help us then, God, to trust as Abram trusted, leaving our old life behind that we might take hold of new life in you. We know, God, that it won't always be easy. We know that there'll be moments when we can't see the next step that we need to take. But God, we trust that the promise is true. 
that you'll be with us, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that you will be our God, and that we will be your people. Be with us then. As we pray in the name of Christ, amen.